Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Emma Davies. Welcome, Emma. Hello, thank you for having me. Well, we've been brought together by the wonderful Kelly Forrester. She sent me a message and said, you have to have Emma on your podcast. She's a perfect guest for you. And I was intrigued. So we had a conversation and indeed, please share your story. She is a force to be reckoned with, isn't she, Kelly Forrester? <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's so lovely to have recommendations because it takes me out of my sort of existing network. And, and when I get a recommendation from someone, it's a, it's a new, it's an unknown sort of person or journey that I'm about to explore, which is fantastic. So without sort of a further ado, I would like to ask you what it is that you do. So I am a lawyer by day, which is my day job, but now I'm an author by night, which is which is the new bit to me and which is what Kelly helped me with last year. So that's that's my new why. So I am still a lawyer by day, but now by candlelight, I'm now an author. And I was when we first spoke, I was a published author of one book, but now I'm a published author of two books um, with a third in the pipeline. So that's the new why for me and it's sharing my story so um about this time last year actually I was very a very different person to what I am now 12 months on I wouldn't even do a live on Facebook um let alone be sat here interviewing for a podcast and having been in the paper and on radio stations um so I had just finished treatment for breast cancer um and I can tell you a little bit about that in a moment if you'd like to hear about it and I was a very so in February last year, I was a bit of a shell of my former self. I kind of lost all my confidence. I'd, I'd gone back to work and then obviously I'd had the bombshell of, of breast cancer. So when I met up with Kelly, I said to her two things. She was starting a group. Um, it was for entrepreneurs and how to get more exposure and to grow your business. So I didn't have a business that I wanted to grow, but I wanted to find me again. I wanted to find myself. And also I wanted to... Um, publish a book <laughs> because you have breast cancer and you write a book why, why not <laughs> so that's that's where I was this time last year um, and that's how I got introduced to Kelly so I don't know if you want me to go back a little bit further than that then and talk about what happened with the breast cancer diagnosis um, and how I dealt with that a little bit uniquely I suppose might be the word that you might use to describe my venture through breast cancer and how because of that I ended up sharing my story and becoming a published author. Well take us back to where you feel you need to to sort of articulate why you're doing what you're doing. I think if we go back to January 2019 because that's when I went back to work for the the first time after having had my second child Chloe. So my, my first child Toby I had him in 2013 had a bit of a difficult experience with postnatal anxiety. One minute you're um, climbing the career ladder, being you know a successful lawyer. The next you have a small human, and it just knocked me for six. So I didn't have the best of maternity leaves during the first time round because I'm mum guilt. Oh, all the guilt, and it was just a really um, lovely time, but also a very difficult time for me personally. And I kept it all in. Um, then I went back to work, and I thought, right, this is it. I can juggle being a mum and also juggle being a professional. 
and I couldn't keep that up for very long without without sharing so I did a lot of work on my mindset um, and I practiced mindfulness techniques and that got me out of a hole and back on on the right course so during that when when I came to the second time round and I was on maternity leave with Chloe I thought right I'm going to enjoy this I'm going to embrace it I'm going to live in the now um, and it was a very different experience it was wonderful don't get me wrong it was still hard sleep deprivation and a small human is, is never easy even if you've got the most positive attitude um, but it was a very different experience and I really enjoyed it so January 20 2019 I went back to work um, it was the year I turned 40 so I had this 40 things at 40 bucket list that I was going to be ticking off um, and I was getting back into work and everything was going well I joined Slimming World and I'd lost three stone because I really wanted to address that so it's kind of the 40 was the big right let's really sort out what you what you're doing this year um, and then I woke up in June and I found a lump and two weeks later I was being told I had breast cancer which was um, not on my 40 things at 40 bucket list by any stretch of the imagination. And as you can imagine, it kind of curtailed my 40 things at 40 bucket list. And, and the summer, well, all the plans we had, all the childcare arrangements, um, it just all completely changed and got turned on its head. And um, I had triple negative breast cancer. So there's nothing wrong with my BRCA genes. There's no history of it in, in my family. Just a random mutation, a random thing that happened to me. Um, and to start off with, I can't begin to explain the fear that I felt when I was told that you think you know about cancer, but when you're told you have it, you just you can't think your mind. I thought, oh, am I going to grow up? My kids aren't going to have a mum. It was just it was just an awful period of time. Um, and then those five days when I didn't know what I had or what the treatment plan was. That was a very scary time. But then I went in and they had a plan. And once I've got a plan, I thought, right, well, there we go. They're talking about treatment. We've got a plan. Get your head in the right space. And ironically, because I'd done a mindset reset challenge in the January with the amazing Mel Robbins, um, I was in the best place both mentally and physically when this happened. So it couldn't have happened at a better time. <laughs> ironically, if it's going to happen, you know, that this, this was the best time that could have happened to me. Um, and once I got into the flow of things, it was the waiting. But once I got into chemo, because I was straight in with chemotherapy and I had it weekly for 12 weeks, then four lots of every three weeks. And as I got into it, I got into a flow. I sent out a message to all my friends saying, right, business as usual. Don't mind your P's and Q's because I didn't want to lose anybody. And I didn't want anybody to think oh, I haven't got the right words to say. Um, and I just wanted it to be business as normal. And I took Darren came with me, my husband, for my first appointment. And then I put out a little jo job advert to all my friends asking if anybody else would like to join me. And then all of a sudden, my 12 weeks are all booked up with my chemo sitters, as I called them. Um, and each week, each one tried to outdo the one before. So it, it turned it turned into this little joke, if you like. I mean, we, we were on the ward for five or six hours. Now, what mum doesn't want to sit with another mum and chat with a hot cup of tea um for five it, it was amazing so actually it turned into a really positive thing the nurses thought I was nuts one week I had bingo with a friend the next another friend did a full set of gel nails um and it was different things and I started blogging um well I'd already been blogging before but I was sending messages out to my friends um every Tuesday so my phone was going a bit crazy and I had to train everybody to just kind of wait get the message on a Tuesday and then and so they started to do that um and it just built up from there so first off I was journaling because I've always found it really cathartic to get all those jumbled up thoughts out of your head down onto paper and then you can process them um but I was sending out my weekly blogs 
and people were saying oh you're quite funny or, or they were enjoying what I was was telling them so I did a hair sweepstake I asked them what I should dress up as at Halloween so I went with Uncle Fester because I had a bold head and I'll never get away with that again um so as, as I was going through treatment I was just so busy and actually having a bit of fun with it as well and I've never been so authentically me in that whole time that I was going through treatment because I wasn't working. I could just focus on myself and, and the children. And people were coming back and saying, oh, you should write a book. And I thought, do you know what? I will. I've, I love books. I've always wanted to write a book. And ironically, cancer gave me both the, the topic and the time to be able to do it. So it started off with the journaling. Then I wanted to record all the wonderful messages that everybody was sending me. So all that was in there. And then I thought, hang on a moment, this can be bigger than, than this. I can I can write something that can help other people, that can help people going through treatment or not even necessarily just breast cancer treatment, any kind of cancer treatment or any big thing to show that actually you, you take control of it and you do it on your terms um, and you reach out to people. If, if you need some help, tell them what you want and don't, don't, you know, don't be afraid to ask. So then I thought of all the different topics, all the things that had helped me. And I thought, right, this is useful information. Put it all in a book. So I have this massive list of topics of all things I wanted to include. And it just, spiraled out of control from there to be honest um and I needed Kelly um to sort my mindset out again on how to take it to the next level and when I met her I think I had about 20,000 words um and now by the time it's published there's over 100,000 in there so it, it's it's a beast of a book <laughs> yeah it's fantastic and, and I love the, the the sort of chemo chat elements to this whole scenario that you brought your friendship and you brought your world into the space so that you could do that and you you allowed everybody in because actually you know it it is a fearful position that you you know you you could have been in or you could have been in this sort of state of woe is me but what you did is you allowed people to express their love and bring them into your fold and that made a difference it made a hell of a difference and I think what I learned and I met a lot of made a lot of new friends along the way through this process and everybody's different everybody deals with news like this differently and how they approach it um and some people go quiet and they like to take themselves off because although I was making a lot of light of what was happening I was also very honest with people and as the symptoms built up over the weeks it was kind of a cumulative effect till I was having chemo from the 23rd of July to the 17th of December. That's a five month period and it knocks the socks off of you. It's, you know, these potent drugs, which are amazing on one hand, because it's killing the thing that shouldn't be in you. The, the side effects, they all started building up and come towards the end. There were times also when I would feel a little bit sorry for myself, but generally because it was so fast paced, it was weekly, you'd go in on a Tuesday and I'd have a routine, go in on a Tuesday, feel fine, feel a bit rubbish on a Friday, rest over the weekend, repeat, because I had at the time my children were, what were they, five and one? Um, so a lot of people said, oh, you know, oh, how's she going to manage with children? But actually, I think it was that routine that really kept me going. And because I was in, inviting everybody in to start off with, everybody was a bit, oh, you know, ca- can we make light of this? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't not for one minute suggesting that cancer is funny because it's absolutely not. But it was the way that I dealt with it. I've got a silly, quirky sense of humour. I don't take myself too seriously. And I didn't want people to feel sorry for me or, or worry about what they were going to say. And I didn't want to lose people. 
Um, so it's almost like I gave them permission. I was like, right, these are the rules. This is what we're playing by. And some people were a bit timid to start with. But then when they realised it was just business as usual, they thought I was nuts as well, I think, to be honest. But I think it was that because I didn't have any control over what was happening to me. I did have control over how I felt about it and how I wanted it to go. Um, and I think that really helped me. I think if I'd have started losing people and if I'd have been isolated and um, away from people, then um, that would that would have been a very different story for me. And you, you mentioned the, the feeling of fear and, and how actually once you had a plan in motion, that sort of alleviated the fear. And probably not totally, but to a certain extent that you knew that somebody was in control of it. Yeah, it, it did. And I mean, I think... what. It just completely, I can't even begin to describe the fear. I've never had a feeling like that. And when in, in that, it was only a five-day period because the, the Royal Dev next to hospital are absolutely amazing. That's how long I had to wait from the biopsy to get in the results and the plan. It was it was so quick. During that period, I could just feel the anxiety overwhelming me and getting really massive chest pains. Now, the old me would have thought, oh, my goodness, it's travelled everywhere. What is it? But because I'd gone through feelings of anxiety, I know that that can manifest itself in physical symptoms. So I just kept trying to calm myself down, just saying, right, come on, they're, they're thinking of a plan. These are clever people. And once I had a plan, had all the tests, I think that's the worst bit, the waiting and the extra scans to see if it's gone anywhere else. But I was really lucky. It, it was still stage, although it was an aggressive one, it was still stage one. So it hadn't travelled anywhere. Um, so I, I was really lucky in, in that respect. And once I knew there was a plan and after I think it was about four or five sessions, they scanned me again and it was working. It was shrinking. I never entertained the idea that it wasn't going to work. I just kept really focused and visualizing myself better. However, however long that took, I didn't know. Um, and I broke it down. And I just dealt with it in, in the stages. So I thought, right, the first goal is to get through this 12 weeks of weekly dealt with that and actually it does start going quite quickly once you get into a cycle and a routine and then once that was done I went, was on to the next thing the next drugs were, were harsher and they did they did knock me about a little bit better a little bit more um and the first week was really horrendous the second week not so bad and then the third week I felt normal well as normal as I could be at that time so then I would overdo it, be a bit silly and meet up with people but I just wanted to make the most of the time I had until I'd go go back into it again and, that, and that's how I dealt with it really just really focusing on the now rather than allowing myself to worry and think too far ahead and that focusing on the now has that changed the way that you think in, in life generally now oh it has anyway because before that I'd um one of, one of the first self-development books I read was um Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now and that that was a game changer and it's so even before all this happened I really tried to think right what is happening right now so right now I'm having an interview with you I'm having a lovely time there's nothing wrong this, this is fine I'm not going to worry about what happened in my day earlier in the day job I can't change that right now I'm not focused on that and neither am I really thinking about what's going to happen in two or three weeks because goodness knows and whatever happens worrying probably won't solve it will it um so I just think to really it's quite a liberating way to live, actually, not living your life at 100 miles an hour and thinking, oh, what's coming, what's coming, what's coming, just really appreciating what was going on. And even on the days when I felt really rubbishy, I just thought, right, this is one day. The day's going to end at some point. 
Um, and at the end of the day, I always try to think of three positives, even if they were really small things like, oh, well, I got out of bed and got dressed today um, or I managed something else. E or even if it's just one thing, if I'd woken up that morning and, you know, got motivated to do something, that was a positive. So that, that was winning. And I just tried to really strip life back. And it was really quite um, quite a liberating way to live because not only does it slow you down, but you stop um, and you just. It's, it's like my eyes were opened and I noticed so much more of the little things that were going on around me um and I always used to take the mick out of my mum because there's this wonderful roundabout near where I live it's got beautiful trees on it whenever we we're driving around she'd always say oh look at the color of the tree uh, the leaves in autumn and in the summer and I'd always laugh at her and, and say oh you know whatever mum but actually <laughs> during this period I just thought you know, I looked up more. I, I live in a beautiful neck of the woods, you know, down in Devon. And I was just so much more appreciative on what I had on my doorstep, what was readily available and just noticing friends and family more and slowing down. And it was lovely. <laughs> Said no one about going through cancer treatment ever, but obviously not in that respect. But I mean, the way I was living was lovely. It, it was it was a slower pace of life. I wasn't on the rat run. I didn't have school drop offs and time targets. And yeah, it's, it's a, certainly a different way to be living. And has it changed the way that you approach your legal work? Um, I think to an extent, yes. Um, because I realise that I am one person and I'm doing as much as I can. I mean, obviously everything's changed now. I, I went back to work in when was it, July last year. Um, so I've just gone back to work after being away for a year. I'm working from home. I mean, I'm in, on, on my own, you know, in an office environment, you're batting ideas off of each other. So to go back in when my confidence was quite low anyway, and I really had to give myself a break. And I thought, well, come on, you've just been through a really big thing. You have still got it up there. It may take you a little while to, to locate it. But I went back on a phased return and I just went back slowly. And as, as the months went on, I could feel my, you can feel yourself with all good intentions. You can still feel yourself slipping back in. But then I thought, well, no, just concentrate. You are one person. Just do one thing at a time. I can't multitask anymore. My, I just don't seem to have the mental capacity to do it. But then I think that's homeschooling and lawyering at the same time. That was never a career path that I chose. So I, I'm, but in that respect, I just go back to the basics and I'm stripping it out again. So I've come up to with a working arrangement with work where I, I do a couple of hours during the day job. Then I stop. I turn the computer off. I go and do some homeschooling with my son. And then I go back because when I was trying to do it all, I just wasn't serving anyone. I couldn't do my job properly. I couldn't help Toby properly. But also I was very quickly realising that I was getting tired. Um, so it was going back to the same practices of just acknowledging what my limitations were and just slowing it back down again and just focusing on what, what needed to be done. So with all this in mind, the slowing down and, and the focusing, you're still burning the candle at both ends, writing your books at the evening under candlelight. How does that work? I am. Well, they're, they're done now. So um, that's when the, the majority of my book um, I wrote whilst I was off. Um, so I was on sick leave. So um, it was the publishing bit was whilst I'd gone back to work. So, yeah, that, that was a crazy um, month or so. But it was it was a dream. It's always been a dream of mine to do that. And I know that if you want I really wanted to do it. So I just had to push through um, and do that. And it was a crazy couple of months, I won't lie. But then after it had been published and we got it gone through the hype, 
I just I just took some time away from it. I thought, right, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I had all this all these lists of things I wanted to do: podcasts, radio shows, papers. Oh, I don't know, reality TV. No, I don't want to do a reality TV show. But I had this massive list of things that I wanted to achieve, but I didn't have to do it overnight. Um, so I took some time away from it because because I also didn't want to feel burnt out and start you know not not enjoying it. But then I got involved with a collaboration project as well on the second book, which is um, 15, 15 authors in there, all ladies. Kelly's in there as well, actually. All ladies that have gone through something in their life and have come out the other side of it to share their, to share their stories. So that, that was an amazing project to be part of because there was 15 of you. I wasn't doing it on my own this time. And I think the power of women is just amazing. You know, one woman's fantastic. You get a group of them together and, oh, the sky's the limit. Um, but I was really mindful. Again, you're right. I was working four days a week. I had the children as well. We're in a global pandemic. But the, the writing, I still find it really cathartic. So a lot of people say to me, oh, how do you find the time to do it? But that's almost my hobby. I've, I've not always been jealous of people that can make money out of their hobby, but I thought, oh, what, what can I do that I really enjoy doing? And it's it's the writing. I just abs- obviously do it with the day job, but this is for me. This is my story and telling it. Um, so the second book was I was doing it on a Sunday evening. And actually, I, I've got lots of blogs. So it was a case of going in, mishmashing some stuff up, taking some stuff from the book, putting it all together um, and then being involved with this project. It was just so amazing. So I I don't see it as work. Um, I I saw it as more as a hobby. Um, And now there's something else in the pipeline as well. A third one It's it's um, a fiction, a fiction story. I've never done a fiction story and I was invited to do it. Would you like to give it a try? Why not? (laughs) So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But again, it was it doesn't feel like work it feels like a passion and it feels like that's the bit of time that's for me um but I am really mindful about with everything that's going on having to juggle the job and also the homeschooling I've been getting really tired <laughs> um so I've just been taking some time off from work um the odd day here and there trying to get out get out in the fresh air and just rem- reminding myself of what was important to my mental health going through the treatment um and just repeating that process because there were a lot when all this was kicking off was nearly 12 months ago now wasn't it in March last year it it came as a massive shock to people and people weren't sure how to react to it but I'd been practicing isolating for you know (laughs) eight or nine months although I'd still been going out and meeting people I wasn't going to massive gigs or festivals where there's a lot of people around because my immune system was compromised so I was like well hang on you know let's just calm it down let's let's try and yes it's a change but we, we can't do anything about it but we can change how we feel about it so let's just strip it back take it one day at a time um and see how it goes now I'm not suggesting it was all fun and because it was, certainly wasn't it it was very difficult but it meant that we could get out on bike rides and in the middle of, of the day you know and go and sit out in the garden when when you wouldn't have otherwise been able to do that so it was I was just trying to still look for the positives in a situation which was really quite daunting. And you sort of made the flippant comment that, you know, nobody wants to have cancer, but it has changed your life and it's given you so many different opportunities. And, and as you say, that opportunity to sort of reset and slow down. What have people sort of come back to you and commented on having read your book? What, what has been the feedback there? 
It's bit, I had a lady who actually just messaged me today and she said, you don't know me. And I don't, I don't. And that, and that seems weird now to think that first of all, it was friends and family, my fan club buying the book. But now it's gone further. It's like the ripples. And you, I know you talk about ripples of effect, how, it, how it's gone out. And random people who I don't know are messaging me now. And they're saying that um, they really enjoyed the story. They feel they know a lot about me and it's really helped them. Even people that are reading that don't have breast cancer or not, don't necessarily know people who've had it, but they've just enjoyed, and I say the word enjoyed, that, they've, that it was it was upbeat. And I was very open and honest. It's a, it's, it's a very raw read. And to start off with, it's obviously even I can't start off the journey making light of it because it isn't. It's, it's horrendous. But then I think because it turns into something else, it's a story of hope and friendship and love amongst family and friends who've come together. And I think that's what, pe what people are enjoying from it, um, to see how it's just my grit and determination to do things on my terms. <laughs> Um, and other people have said it's it's really helped them. I've already had people who are going through the experience and they just said they, they've just found it so empowering to know that someone's gone through it and come out the other side and that's what I really wanted to do was to grab them by the hand and just take them through it and obviously friends and family have read it and commented and they said it's, it's like being in a room with me they can the way I've written it is just the way that I speak and it's they said it's like when you've um when you're reading the book after you've watched the film <laughs> and, I thought, and I thought that was lovely because then that means it's really authentic and it isn't going to be everybody's cup of tea because it is it is quite jokey and it is a little bit sweary um but that's just my personality and quirky sense of humor and so many times I nearly backed out of doing it I thought oh gosh you know should I do this is it is it going to damage me professionally you know because obviously in the day job I don't go around being a bit of a potty mouth or being a bit quirky it's very serious stuff um but I thought no this is this is my personality and this is my sense of humor and if I'm going to tell a story I need to tell it as if it's just coming out of my mouth so it's just very authentically me um and I think that comes back in the feedback and comments that I've been having which is lovely and I love that expression that you just said that reading the book is like <laughs> living through the film and then then reading the book, <laughs> reading the book afterwards yeah and, and but funny you should say that I was just thinking as you're sort of sharing this whole journey that you've been on that it would make for a fantastic film or a tv series for people to to sort of see it in person you know you can read it but also just to sort of have that come to life more for them Oh, I, do you know what? I'd absolutely love that. So if, you, if you've got any contacts in that arena, then send send me their way. But I just, I think what I love about it was when you start off. I don't, I don't know. I, I was quite shy, and and I thought, well, you know, do I, do I ask these questions to to the medical experts? And I thought, hang on a minute. I'm a professional in my field. They're professionals in their field. I'm going to ask all the questions, and I'm, and I'm going to do this on my terms. If ever there is a time in your life. When you can just be you, now is the time to do it. We're not promised tomorrow's. Um, and I think the lovely thing is that since I've gone through this, it, that's just stuck in my head now. And there's so, so many positives came out of this experience. Like, don't, don't get me wrong, I would rather have not have had cancer. But if, it's really now taught me that if, if an opportunity comes along, take it. If, if you want it, say yes more, say no more. If, if you don't want to do something, just, just say no. Um, no. Nobody cares. And I always used to be quite a perfectionist and try and turn up for things on time. 
gosh, when I had cancer, I'd, I'd cancer at the last minute um, and nobody bats an eyelid at you. And I thought, all oh, these years I've been a people pleaser or tried to do all these things. And don't get me wrong, I haven't turned into this awful person who doesn't do anything for anyone anymore. Quite quite the opposite. You know, I still do a lot of stuff and, and want to do more things, but it's just the opportunities that have come out of it. I, I wouldn't say I was stuck. I enjoy what I do for my for my day job, but it's it's not it's not a passion. Um, and and this and this writing is, but also it's it's knowing that I can write to help other people as well. So for example, I've um two pounds from every paperback I sell goes to Force Cancer Charity, which is a local charity. Um, and the idea they helped me and my mum so much through this process with everything that we were going through: complementary therapies, counselling, acupuncture. Who knew sticking pins in your ears can sort out the hot sweats from the surgically induced menopause? Amazing. Um, but the, the help that they gave us was so fantastic. So now it's my turn to give back to them. Um, and so far, I've raised over £700 that I've been able to donate to them from the book sales. And that just feels amazing that I can do something for, for a charity that did so much for me. I got involved with their Christmas campaign to help raise awareness and encourage people to donate because charities took a massive hit last year. And I've just met so many wonderful people through this process, you know, getting involved with Kelly. I've now, that's rippled out. And so talking to yourself, I wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for her and me thinking, oh, do I sign up to her membership or not? I thought, yeah, you know, let's let's do it. And now I find just saying yes more, the next thing I want to get into is public speaking. And um, randomly, a couple of weeks ago, I got a message asking me um, if I'd like to come and speak at a, um, a women in leadership conference in in May from a recommendation of a friend who'd read the book to someone else who happened to know someone and she just messaged me out of the blue and she almost said apologies for messaging you we were wondering if you'd like to do this and I said oh you, you want me to come and speak to you it's powerful your story so it's now making me think oh okay you know embrace it and, and just go with it and um ironically I don't like public speaking at all so that is going to absolutely push me out of my comfort zone and I said to her how many people she said, well, maybe 200 250 I've never spoken in front of that many people and it will be on a virtual platform and I just thought what's what's the worst thing that's going to happen they, they are coming to listen to you tell your story you are an expert in your story because this is this is you so it's it's almost now I'm thinking just have the confidence just go go with it and take the opportunities and see what happens. Well, I can imagine that you'll absolutely smash that talk. And you're, <laughs> you're right. I mean, you're not alone in the fear of public speaking. It is a very high fear. In fact, you know, it actually comes, I think death comes third on the list of, of, <laughs> of the most, the biggest fears in the world. <laughs> but seriously, it, you know, if you hadn't have done that mindset reset challenge with Mel Robbins, if you hadn't have sort of done some mindfulness work, if you hadn't have read The Power of Now, you wouldn't have been in that space, in the right headspace. No, I wouldn't have been in the right headspace. And if anything, so when I was going through the troubles back in 2013 with postnatal anxiety, I hadn't read any self-development books at that stage. And I didn't I didn't know about stuff like that. And to be honest, I might have poo-pooed the idea of stuff like that from, from my ignorance. Um, you know, if someone had said mindfulness, breathe in, breathe out, I would have thought, 
you know, what, what's that going to do for you? Um, but the the power of now, that was the first book that was recommended to me. Um, and since then, oh, I've read loads. Please don't ask me to list them because my memory's rubbish. <laughs> All I'd written down was Eckhart Tolle and Mel Robbins because those are the two that stick in. Um, but there are other ones, you know, Fern Cotton and Happy Happiness and Calm, all sorts of books like that. And I, I love them. I can't get enough of them because it's re- it really set me up in the right headspace. And it really helped me when I went back to work and then was struggling with juggling the work and, and looking after a small human who never slept. Got me back into the right headspace. Then I started blogging. Um, it was a, It was a parenting blog to start with and things like self-care, um, anxiety, all sorts of different topics that mums experience and beat themselves up about. And just, I, I love doing it cathartically for me to get it all out. Um, but also then I, I was getting comments from other people saying, oh, you know, thank goodness, you know, it's not just me. I don't feel so alone. Which So that that was an early dabbling, if you like, with, with sharing a story on, on a smaller scale. But yeah, the re- getting the, the top shelf of my um, bookshelf there is, is all my um, self-development books. And um, I continue to read them now because I just think it's so powerful. And, and even reading the stories in, in the latest book that I've been a part of, reading what all those other women have gone through and out the other side, it just really keeps making you reassess. You don't know what's going on behind that smile behind closed doors and to see the grit and determination. Um, and it's really empowering to, to read that. Um, but that that mindset reset challenge in the January oh thank goodness I did that because that that really sorted me out and it took it to the next level and just reminded me that working on that it's it's a journey it's not a destination you you have to keep working on it um and I've noticed in the past couple of weeks I've, I've been slipping down again but just this weekend downing tools not doing anything lawyery or three related getting out visiting a new place with the kids coming home having a roast dinner, simple things completely raise the fog again. So I've gone in today on a Monday thinking, right, I'm going to smash this week. Whereas last week I ended it thinking, oh gosh, so much to do. <laughs> oh, it's so refreshing to hear, you know, and obviously you know, with, the, with the power of hindsight, you, you have come through it and you have managed to work your magic in terms of embracing all of the different techniques that you had to pull yourself through and sort of conquer it what's next on the horizon for you Emma (laughs) well this this year I'd written down um more interviews like this because I love doing this I love speaking um on the interviews and then in the hope that even if one or two people benefit from it fantastic but from doing this, I realised that more opportunities come, and and why why shouldn't I em- embrace that and see and see if something else comes of it? And but it's it's the public speaking now. I want to I want to go on a on a higher level, and I don't know how to do that really. You know, it was, it was chance that this offer came along, but now I'm looking into people that actually specialise in, in in coaching you to do things like that because that's that's the other thing is the power of coaching, um, and knowing just how being accountable to someone or mentoring people that can say come on you know you've got this in you and and it's just sometimes listening to someone else isn't it have to have that confidence in you um and dragging you through the process um so I think I think that's what I'm gonna set my uh sights on for this year is to share it to a wider pool well, you'll be you're doing just that on the podcast today. So thank you for sharing it to a wider pool. And you never know, you know, what ripple effect you're causing that pool. You know, who knows who will reach out and say, Emma, I needed to hear your message tonight. It, you know, it was the best thing I've heard, or whatever it is. I know for sure that people do connect after listening to these episodes. And that and that's 
just really the, the main thing is if, if I could if I can help reach one more person, two, three more people, just just the thought of knowing that that those words have calmed someone else or helped someone else in some way, then that's fantastic. Yeah, mission accomplished. So how would they buy your book? Right. So I have got a few um, special edition copies left personally myself that have got photos in them. So you don't get those on Amazon. You just get the print on demand service. So if anybody would like any of those, they can just email me emma at lightboxblogger.co.uk and I can message back or it is available on Amazon on ebook and paperback if anybody would like it. Fantastic. Well, I'll put those links into the show notes. And how else would they contact you? Are you on social media? Oh, I'm on. Yes, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Lightbox Blogger. There we go. So, so you can see my crazed ramblings. <laughs> when an idea pops into my mind, I just regurgitate it out. <laughs> uh, it's the best way. It's all good. And, and you know, as you say, if there's one person that hears the message that you're sharing that day that makes a difference to them, then, uh, you know, as I said, mission accomplished again. So it is. It's really- and what I do on, on the first day of each month, I always um, remind people to check themselves. And actually, the number of times what a friend or even a random stranger will message and say, thank you ever so much. You've reminded me I need to do that. And then another friend message. Thank you so much. I found something, went to the doctor. It's nothing, but I got it sorted. I'm like, yes, because I, I'm only a little fish in a massive pond. There's so many amazing influences out there. But then I think, well, if that's one more person who's gone and got themselves checked out, then fantastic yeah we 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 all have a role even if we're little fish we do (laughs) so uh, thank you so much emma it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and thank you to kelly for introducing us so it's been wonderful have you got some final words for the audience please well i'm i'm going to go with my two favorite sayings and i know some people love these some people hate them but it's what got me through so this is my interview so i'm going to leave you with those and my first one was um if you don't like it change it but if you can't change it change the way you feel about it and that was my approach to cancer um but then my one was positives can be found in the darkest of times but if only you're open to looking for them if you open your eyes and you look you can find something positive in most situations Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.